This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. Today, Junior! <laughs> All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast. Today's Thursday, July 19th, 2018. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, I shall be joined by popular sports talk radio host, Jeremy White from the WGR 550 Morning Show, a show he's done so well with Howard Simon for nearly 14 years now. Of course, I've had Howard Simon on this podcast before. I believe he was on episode 15. I talked to Jeremy about a ton of different topics. Topics ranging from him going to Syracuse for college to sports talk radio life. Discussions about the sports media. Living in the blue collar city of Buffalo, New York. Bill's talk. Sabres talk. And of course, the signature mini lightning round I do with every guest. And that includes Jeremy today. Cannot wait to get into that. I don't, and I need to put this out there. I don't always agree with Jeremy's takes on the year and on his extremely active Twitter account. But you know what, man? There's no denying he's one of the more engaging sports media folks on the Buffalo sports scene or anywhere for that matter. And that always makes for a really good conversation Jeremy was a great interview. And you know what? Frankly, with a lot of these sports media guys I have in this podcast, I think it's nice for them to be able to be asked the questions every now and then, as opposed to being the ones on their shows and, you know, their articles and stuff that they do. That's always asking the questions. It's a nice change of pace for them. And I think they get into it. And I think you hear that on this show quite often. And that includes today for sure. I'll play that interview with Jeremy in just a second. Guys. I've been back in Buffalo for about a week now, and I'm going to be here for close about almost another month for work reasons, and it's been a blast. Of course, it's been a blast. Reconnected with friends and family, and more than anything, getting some awesome Buffalo Eats, especially (laughs) freaking chicken wings. I think that, you know what, I know that you have to move away from Buffalo for a few years like I did, like in my case, going on to Florida to really have a true appreciation for how good that shit is in Buffalo. Chicken wings and pizza especially. I mean, you can get a good piece of steak or a burger or whatever anywhere. But when it comes to wings and pizza, nobody, and I mean no one touches Buffalo. 
And I don't really think you truly appreciate that until you leave and then you come back. So on that note, let's get into the podcast today right now in my interview with WGR's Jeremy White. Okay, my guest today has been one half of the WGR 550 morning show alongside Howard Simon for nearly 14 years now. I think he's one of those guys that really has his finger on the pulse of Buffalo sports and just Buffalo life in general. Of course, I'm talking about Jeremy White. What's going on, Jeremy? Thanks for joining the podcast today. How you doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, definitely. The pleasure's all mine. Now, we're taping this on a Tuesday for Thursday show. You got a chance to play a little bit of golf yesterday before we were, you know, we were going to tape and everything. How'd you hit them? Not bad. Not bad. I, um, I've actually, to my own surprise, fallen back in love with golf. I actually find myself thinking about it when I can, when I'm doing nothing, I'll think about golf. I'll think about, you know, hitting shot the way I used to. And, um, I'm, I'm back into it. I've kind of set myself a new goal. I, I used to be moderately good and I've kind of decided you know, as you get older, you can't play sports the same way you used to. And then it kind of hit, it kind of hit me like, but why can't I play golf? Why, why can't I just get good at golf again? So um, I guess like I, I've rediscovered the competitive spirit in me a little bit. And I'm on a mission to break 80. I used to shoot in the mid 80s to high 80s somewhat consistently. And uh, I'm on a mission to break 80. So, you know, this year, next year, I have... Uh, I have found that itch yet again. So that's, it's kind of, it's, it's been fun. Nice. Now, everyone who's listening to you on the air, you know, follows you on Twitter. They already know that you went to college at Syracuse. You're an orange guy. But where exactly were you born and raised? Uh, about well, I would, 36 minutes from Syracuse. I say that because I know exactly how long it takes to get to Carousel Mall. Because when I grew up in high school, you know, the, best movie theater was at the carousel mm-hmm. and we would go to carousel to see all the movies. So, you know, that was my life was driving back and forth to Syracuse friends. As soon as we got a license um, and could drive at night, it was driving back and forth to Syracuse to go to the movies or to go to whatever we wanted to do. You know, when you're a high schooler and you go to, uh, I don't know, not exactly clubs, but you know, just stuff you did in high school, we were often driving to Syracuse to, uh, to have a little bit more fun. Now as a youngster, who are a few of your first favorite athletes that you can remember? Well, I mean, I, I grew up a Giants fan, but, you know, from Syracuse, I, I, you know, I've been a Syracuse fan my entire life. The, you know, some of the first sporting events I can remember going to uh, are Syracuse. So, like, uh, Sherman Douglas, Lawrence Moten, Derek Coleman, definitely Donovan McNabb, who I went to college with for two years. But, I mean, I loved McNabb uh, and Marvin Graves, you know, Syracuse football, Syracuse basketball all the way. Um, I'm trying to think like John Wallace, you know, just the 96 team. I'm in high school for that game, mm-hmm. that, that run that they went on against, uh, and then we lost to Kentucky. Um, uh, so yeah, all the Syracuse guys, Ronnie Cycles a little bit before me. I, I, I kind of knew him a little bit, knew of him. Um, Billy Owens kind of same deal. Like, you know, I, I kind of grew up with it. So there are, there's some names that are really clear. And then there's some where I just think like, yeah, I mean, I, I knew who they were. Did you play a lot of sports as a kid? Were you an athlete growing up? Or did you know, did you figure out at a young age, like most of us, that you may be more destined to cover sports when you got older instead of playing them? I played a little bit of a little bit of baseball. I played a lot of basketball, but I didn't play I didn't I wasn't good at basketball until I was 
I don't know, halfway through high school and I was not good enough to be on my high school team. I mean, I, I went to the kind of high school where you, if you're not dunking the basketball, you are not on the team. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I wasn't ever going to play at that level, but I played CYO church league and stuff like that. So, um, I kind of, especially my basketball skill set, whatever, I definitely bloomed late. Like I, I was a timid player and I didn't, I, I was kind of in between, like right. I was chunky enough to play down low, uh, but not that good. So, you know, I, I kind of got caught in between because they put me at guard because it wasn't that tall. And then over time, I kind of figured out, you know, how, how to make that work for me. Um, I can remember one specific basketball practice where all we did, uh, our coach had us just guards rebound, only guards. I want to see the guards rebound. And I, I played guard and I couldn't shoot. I couldn't really do anything. But that day I figured out like, oh, OK, I can rebound. <laughs> and it kind of changed the way that I played the game from that from that point forward, you know, pick up leagues, college intramurals, wherever I'd be. Okay. So like I said, you go to Syracuse for college. I ask all my guests the same question. I mean, with you, it's going to be pretty self-explanatory, but why did you go to Cuse? And I guess the, the bigger question would be, were there other schools that you considered going to before going to Cuse? I applied to three schools and I, I considered going to two. Well, I guess I considered going to all three. I applied to Syracuse, Ithaca, and Oswego. Uh, all three for broadcasting and as we go was, you know, if I can't get into the other two, it'll be the, the really cheap option. If the other two come uh, from a financial aid standpoint, right. then I'll, I'll pick between Ithaca and Syracuse. And yeah, I, uh, I chose Ithaca. I'm sorry. I chose Syracuse after telling everybody I was going to go to Ithaca and I really thought I was going to go to Ithaca and I changed pretty much at the 11th hour. I changed my mind. When did it first really lock in for you that, sports journalism and broadcasting, you know, that that's a field that you definitely want to be a part of. Um, I don't know, probably since high school, like halfway through high school in that neighborhood, I took a course in creative writing. I took a lot of electives and anything that would kind of, um, you know, just kind of teach me to be a little bit more, whatever, whether it was writing or whatever it was going to be, I wanted to kind of get more focused on what I could. So, um, you know, I would, I would kind of, still towards the English side of things when given the opportunity to take an elective or whatever it might be. You graduate CUSE in 2001. How did the opportunity at WGR come about? And what did you do there But you know, before you eventually got paired with who was at the time an incoming Howard Simon in late 2004? You know, before Howard, I worked with Brad at night. Mm -hmm. so Brad and I were paired together uh, for a while. And, you know, things were great. Like, Brad's a, still one of my very good friend, best friends. who's at my wedding and, you know, just kind of learning a lot from him and other people that worked there at the time. Bob gone is another guy I would say I learned a lot from. So, you know, it's just, um, how did it work out? I, I got a job in the promotions department because I worked at a station in Syracuse for about three, four years. And I worked in promotions and the woman that ran that department knew the woman who ran the Buffalo department. And they gave me a job working in promotions. So it was foot in the door, board op at WBEN. I did um, I did all the WBEN week weekday or sorry weekend shows. I don't know if you've heard of the financial guys on WBEN. Mm -hmm. I did their first ever show. Oh, wow. I did yeah, I did uh, Dominic Cortez a lot. Uh, I did Tom Torbjornson in the car show. So there were you know a lot of. Uh, a lot of Saturday afternoons from eight to five, just pushing buttons and producing, answering phone calls, stuff like that. And at GR, I turned that into running Sunday night baseball. 
and then that become became doing updates, which became you know covering a Bills practice here and there, producing here and there, uh, partly that into working with Brad, and then after that went really well. They uh, they put me with Howard. Now with Howard in November of 2004, you get paired with him. He came over from WNSA, I believe, and you you know you guys start doing mornings. It's something you've been doing ever since. What were your first impressions of Howard working with him when he came aboard? Well, I, I had never formally met him. Uh, at the time, I was working for ESPN Radio in the press box as a stringer when they had their whip-around shows on ESPN Radio, which was, you know, a good good gig for a young guy, paid really well. Sure. And I sat like three, seat, three seats down from Howard. And uh, I don't know if we ever talked. I said there maybe Chief Tagley was there with us as well. And, um, you know, just... They brought me in on a Wednesday afternoon. I got a call from my, my boss at the time, our program director, Andy Roth, who said, uh, I hope you're sitting down. Don't come into work today. And hmm. I was like, oh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound very good. Right. <laughs> um, and then he told me that, you know, we're, we're moving you to the mornings with Howard Simon, who we're bringing over. So it was, um, you know, it was kind of wild. It's just like, this is our new morning team. Uh, Brad's staying at night. You're going to the morning. You know, you're going to do, I, I did updates for BEN at the time too. So I was getting in earlier than I do now because BEN's first sports update is at five 15. And I would, I, have to, I had to be there for that, yeah. which meant I would get to work at about four forty-five um, to do those updates, to do both GR and BEN and uh, you know, be the co-host as well. I've had Howard on this podcast before. And when I asked him, what have you guys done to, you know, be able to stay fresh and relevant through all these years? Cause that's a long time to be on the air together. He gave you pretty much all of the credit. What do you think makes for like a successful partnership on the air? And I'm sure off of it, you know, over the long term, like you guys have. Um, I think there's a pretty good, like you can actually hear it on the show sometimes. There's a really specific that is a natural delineation of tasks. Like, you know, if we have a guest on today, we had, you know, we had a guy from New York on talk with the Yankees real quick. And you know, I'll listen to that interview, but I'm not always asking questions because I'm planning for the next segment or I'm planning for, Hey, when we get back, you know, so Howard is able to focus on the segment at hand. And without saying like, I'm looking to the next one, that's kind of what I get to do. Mm -hmm. So after I think people have kind of figured out that, all right, this interview is about to end. And when it's over, I'm going to have something to say. It's going to be instant trivia. It's going to be um, a, a stat of day. It's going to be, oh, I got a, something happened yesterday. You'll never believe it. Let's, I'll tell you when we get back. Like, so, you know, he doesn't necessarily have, have to find that stuff. He doesn't necessarily have to look for it because he knows I'm going to be the one to be completely ready with it when the time is right. Um, when, you know, you're just looking for the next thing. What's a typical sleep schedule like for someone like you? You know, the life of a radio guy who starts his shift. You're on the air at six o'clock in the morning. Is it a big adjustment? What's your schedule like sleeping wise? Um. It, it's somewhat of an adjustment. It's the kind of thing that I would never, I would never trade back. Like that's what's funny. <laughs> like you get this schedule, you don't ever want to give it up. Right. So like, and I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate. Like I, you know, some nights I go to bed late and I'm hurt in the morning. Um, some days I'm in bed at eight 30. I don't nap anymore. I, for a while I did nap. Now I don't. Now I just kind of get up and, um, it's super easy for me to, to, to wake up. I, it comes from, I think it really comes from, you know, I did sports updates for Kevin Sylvester and the Bulldog at one point and the BEN updates. Um, I was doing those too. So like there was that fear when you're a part-timer just trying to, you know, at one point 
be full-time. You want health benefits. You know, you want to make in the industry. There was that, you know, the, the first emotion I felt when I woke up early in the mornings was terrifying, paralyzing fear that I don't want to be late. Hmm. So, and, and the other thing is when I worked other jobs, uh, one of the other jobs I worked was at a golf course, which meant, you know, getting there at five fifteen. So I was kind of, I guess, not even really planning on it, but kind of training myself to always get up early. And that's how I am now. I mean, if I, if I have a day off and I don't set an alarm, I'm usually up before the show begins wow. because that's just the way, I mean, you know, I'll be up at five forty-five at least once, if not, you know, twice before that. And sometimes I can sleep in a little bit and other times I can't, but I don't know. You end up getting an awful lot done when you get up that early in the day. It's almost like living two lives. You have so much time to, you know, get your errands done, do whatever you got to do. So yeah, I, I, I do like the shift. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say it's not worth it. But then again, you know, for it might be tougher for Howard. He's been doing it for longer. Um, so you know, it's it's different for different people. But as it as it stands right now, it's um, I wouldn't trade it. For people out there, you know, who are listening, who might want to get into sports talk radio someday, you know, something along those lines. What would you tell them is probably the most difficult part of your job? Hmm. Um. The most difficult part, there are a couple different things. Sometimes, you know, it's just like anything that you do professionally that sounds like fun is that it is fun, mm-hmm. but there are going to be days when it's not fun and you have to do it anyway. So like, if you don't have anything to say, you can kind of find what you got to find stuff to say. Um, but, but you know, it, it's, uh, well, I, I don't know what the most difficult part is. It's kind of over, over time become more and more natural, but it's, um, it's really hard to convince someone that you're good enough and that you're the guy for it. It it takes whatever you want to say, trust, or um, you've got to convince somebody that, that what you're saying is worth listening to. And, you know, it's not as easy as just opening up a microphone and doing it. Uh, It takes a lot of practice. And I would say the other thing it takes more than anything, just, you know, being honest and being yourself, but you know, not, not everybody can just do it. And um, it's kind of like a a catch 22 when you're new, it's, well, why would anybody care what you have to say? Mm-hmm. So you can only really be someone that people will listen to if you've been there for a while. Well, how do you be there for a while if they only care if you're there for a while? You know, you, you kind of have to build that relationship and go through um, the battles with the fans. And, and I don't mean fighting fans. I mean, you know, I, I wasn't here for the four Super Bowl years. I grew up a Giants fan. Mm-hmm. And it, that was never difficult. But, you know, when people talk about the 90s bills, my answers were always like, well, I, I mean, I, I wasn't here for that. So I don't know what that was like. And I, I think it's better to just be open about that. And, and, you know, we've had shows where I'd say, like, I, I never saw a so-and-so play. So, you know, for those of you that did, tell me about them. You know, what, what was I missing when I, you know, the electric company or whatever it might be. You've had a ton of athletes on the show over the years that you've interviewed. Who are a few that have been your favorite interviews? Well, you know, whether it was someone that you might have just talked to just once or, you know, a guy who's been a recurring guest on your show. Um, I would say, I mean, you know, Marty Baran's always great. Andrew Peters and I have had a couple of really great conversations and great uh, interviews over the years. Um, trying to think who else. Eric Wood was always was always great with the afternoon show. Um, Fred Jackson was always really good. You know, there have been some players over the years that were better than others. Uh, You know, different guys have a different uh, interpretation of what they should be doing in that spot. Some some embrace it and some 
you know, just wish they could get out from under it and don't want to do it. You know, Doug Marone in his first year was a great guest and in his second year was a terrible guest. <laughs> so, and that was a decision that I guess he made. I, I mean, you know, that's, you never know what you're going to get. That's the same person. And all of a sudden it's just, it, it, it what a, you know, what a turn it was. That was kind of my next question. And I think you might've kind of given it away by saying Marone. I was going to ask you on the other side, you know, the worst interview, and I don't necessarily mean, you know, someone, there's anything wrong with that person. It's just not a good interview. You know what I mean? Doesn't have much to say. Is Marone the only one that comes to mind for you right now? No, I mean, Marone had a lot to say. He was just really thin skinned and, you know, didn't want to ever be challenged. Um, he couldn't believe that people could think he was wrong on stuff. Hmm. You know, people say that about sports, sports radio guys, but football coaches tend to be a little, you know, defensive sometimes worst interview ever. And it's not even his fault was, um, I can remember one of those Sabres draft shows that we did and the Sabres drafted. I'm pretty sure it was Merrick Zagropan. They drafted Merrick Zagropan and we were told like, Oh, he got him on the line for our interview. I'm like, all right, does he, does, does he speak English? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, totally fine. And he did not. I mean, it was very bad. So, you know, we, we've had a couple of those. You've had a couple of, I mean, new, new kids and they get drafted. They don't have a ton of experience like that, whether it's hockey or football. You know, sometimes you've got to just kind of grin and bear it. Um, there have been some pretty bad interviews. Uh, specifically, who, who are they? You know, different guys don't feel comfortable opening up. Um, and I get it. Like, I, uh, a couple months ago, maybe a year ago, I made a comment on, online about how Barstool Sports does great interviews. Mm-hmm. And a couple of people got, got kind of mad at me for that. I mean, I, I don't really like that. Barstool. I agree with you, yeah. too, by I, the way. I, I, yeah. And I don't like Barstool altogether, but I do like, like, part of my take is one of them. Right. And the reason that they're able to do really great interviews, it, it's different than my ability to do a, a great interview. Like, you know, I, it was Jack Eichel was on the Spittin' Chiplets podcast or whatever, and they can talk to him as guys who play with him in the summer league. And he can just kind of relax and open up and be himself. Whereas mm-hmm. with us, I mean, I'm talking about Jack Eichel, what, 60 days a year? Yeah. Talking about his performance and, you know, people are calling and complaining about him. So it's never going to be exactly the same. Those guys get to be buddy-buddy with the players. And, you know, we are to a point very much critical or evaluating. And, you know, if you had somebody that was constantly talking about you and saying whether or not he thought you were good, you might be guarded with that person. Um, You know, I've been out on the town where I walk into a restaurant and there are a bunch of Sabres players and I'll like, like, Oh, I'll, I'll leave. Like, I don't want these guys to feel uncomfortable. And not that I would ever say anything or do anything or like make them like, you know, the next morning on the air say like, Oh, I saw so-and-so out of the bar, but I know that like, they might think it, right. And, you know, you, you can't blame them because it, you live a public lifestyle. So, you know, in those situations, I'll usually just kind of dismiss myself and be like, get on out of there. <laughs> um, you know, just for that reason. Now, I mentioned right at the top that I consider you one of those Buffalo guys right now that really has, you know, your finger on the pulse of everything Buffalo. I want to get your thoughts on the athletic beginning to make a presence in Buffalo. And then I also want to get your thoughts on everything that went down in the Buffalo News Sports Department over the past few months. Because, I mean, it got flipped upside down. There's no denying that. Now the athletics in town, a brand new competition, a new presence. What are your thoughts on what's going on with that? Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I can speak too much to it. I don't really know, you know, the business models and who does what and who's successful. I, I would just say it speaks to stuff that even you, you would say you, you would have seen at WGR's website, like all 22 and analytics pieces mm-hmm. and long, like you just, there is a different kind of fan 
that, you know, what they want to see these days, you know, what, what good is a, a, a bit of like a gamer recap? You know, what I, people want opinions and that doesn't mean that they don't want the facts too. It just means the, uh, the way that people consume sports has changed quite a bit. So I think that goes for, uh, any sort of content that goes for ours as well. You know, that goes for the tank. Why did the tank resonate with fans? Because it was realistic because it's what fans wanted. Yeah. You know, you could, you could sit there and yell at people about morality, but the reality is that it was a very wise and in touch kind of idea. And if you're not in touch with it, then you're, you know, you're not in touch. You're obviously a radio guy first and foremost. That's where most people know you from. You know, you post a lot of articles on the WGR website, or at least you do from time to time anyway. Do you enjoy writing, or is it, you know, just part of the gig for you? Um, I don't, I don't dislike it. I just, it's, uh, the thing about writing is that, like, if I got to do a weekly article, I've got to think of something that I really feel strongly enough about to write down. Mm-hmm. You know, what, what, what is motivated? Because, you know, when we're talking about stuff, you can, kind of people can hear your tone and they can understand how passionate you are about something. But if you write it down and it's a transcript, they read it, depending on the power of the words you use, they might think that you're all in on something when really you're just kind of mentioning it. So for me to write an article, I've got to feel pretty strongly about it. And uh, sometimes finding that thing that I'm really, really a hundred percent on can be difficult um, because I know there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of gray area in a lot of topics. So it's not until I find something that I really confidently want to say, you know, this is how I feel. This is right. That's usually when I'll find my way to an article, which is why I've kind of in the last couple of, uh, last couple of, you know, years done different kind of pieces like tweet bags or three, two, one, which is, which is three quick points because rather than try and make it some sort of big, long, immersive piece it's like uh you know here's one two three this is this is where i'm at right now on these things let me ask you another question kind of shifting gears a little bit what do you think of the coverage of high school and college sports in buffalo i mean like i said you grew up near syracuse you obviously you live and work in buffalo now as a whole because my biggest beef with the buffalo media as a whole is i consider a lack of that coverage well, I mean, you know, it depends on how you want it covered. I mean, Tony Caligiri said high school sports, they cover it as well as anybody. And I think that's kind of been something that the local news has figured out. You know, how are they going to stay relevant? They're going to cover high school sports. They're going to show you highlights because, you know, what can what can the local television news give you that you can't get elsewhere from the sports standpoint? You know, they can show you highlights of the Yankee game, but you probably saw the highlights of the Yankee game. What you didn't see is the touchdown pass that, you know, Will North threw or whatever. So, you know, it, it, it just ends up being about content and what can somebody give you that nobody else can. So um, in terms of it not being covered enough, I'm not one to be all that worried about it. It's not something that really has ever moved me uh, where I grew up. High school sports existed because high schools existed. But I mean, I didn't pay too much attention to it or think about it at all. What's your attitude towards Twitter? Because, you know, you're someone who uses it a lot. You're active on there. You know, you have a lot of takes. You do, sometimes, you know, you do some spying with fans on occasion or even other media people. How important is Twitter to you when it comes to your work? And, you know, how much do you enjoy using it on a more leisure manner as well? Um, yeah, I just kind of do what I feel like on there. It's not, <laughs> you do. You know, I like that, though. I respect that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, um, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's. The, it's Darwinism in a way. It's like if people want to hear what you say, they follow you. And if they don't, they don't. 
you know, there are plenty of people that I respect and like that I don't follow and it's not anything personal. It was just more of like a, you know, I see too much from them. And, you know, sure. somebody that I know doesn't follow me, like I wouldn't judge him. Like, I'm not sure I would follow me. I can, I'm sure I can be insufferable, <laughs> you know, because it's just, it's just a stream of consciousness. So, uh, you know, sometimes people get a little bent out of shape about you following or not following them, but I, I never take it personally. So, um, you know, we've all, we've all been on there. We've all argued with people because, you know, isn't that where, what you do? You go there to argue in a way you go there to, to have a take, you go there to have somebody debate you. I, 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 the one thing I would say is like, I don't know that I've ever like, I, I think about like the, the food chain of it. Like, would I ever tell someone that they are awful at something? And like, outside of like Paul Ryan, I, I don't think I've ever done that. <laughs> so, you know, like I would never tweet somebody like, oh, you're a terrible person. And I think it limits Paul Ryan and, you know, maybe a few others select in that, uh, in that avenue of the world, that branch of the world. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely changed the game. It seems like you really come and embrace Buffalo through the years of living here. How do you like living in Buffalo? And, you know, speaking of someone who's now a former Buffalonian, at least for now, anyway, are you impressed with the rate things that seem to be, you know, growing downtown in some other areas? Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I love it here. I mean, I've uh, I've lived here since 2000, 2000, summer 2000, and then, you know, like 2001 full-time. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love it here. It's, and it's funny, I'd never been here until I, after I came to, like, to look at it for an internship in college. And I, you know, I might've driven through it to get to Niagara Falls once to drink when I was 19. <laughs> but other than that, um, yeah, I didn't have a ton of experience with it. So it, it's whatever. It's great. You know, there's a lot of things to like. I don't mind the weather really at all. I mean, there are times where everybody gets tired of the weather, but um, you know, I like, I love fall. I like the summer just fine. I can deal with the winter. Uh, and there's a lot to like, there's a lot to do. I used to have a, a theory that, you know, in any given city, there's really only seven things to do. It's just a matter of what, what the variations. You can go to have food. You can go to a sporting event. You can go to a show. You can, and every city that is anything has those. And this city has all those things also. So, you know, the idea that you, uh, you know, Miami has so much to do. Oh, they're the beach. All right, great. Well, we've got uh, other things. I can do stuff outside. I can go hiking. I I think it's what you make of it, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff here that you can uh, that you can make work. What's a few of your favorite you know, Western New York spots uh, to go hit up for a beer, you know, or grab some good eats at? Yeah, I was actually thinking about this because the Bachelor had its hometown date here, mm-hmm. and they you know they filmed near the Marcy Casino, which is cool. I mean, my wife and I got married there. Our, our ceremony and our reception were at the Marcy Casino, and I was thinking to myself. Like of all the things that they did, maybe people, people get upset when, you know, you show Niagara Falls on TV when you come to Buffalo. But if there's one thing that they should have done on the bachelor, they should have done the jet boat. I mean, that thing is super unique and mm-hmm. super cool. And that's the kind of thing that if I ever have friends coming in from out of town that are up for it, I recommend the jet boat a hundred percent. I mean, that thing is a ton of fun. Um, in terms of watering holes, I mean, I live close to hurdle, you know, any, I wouldn't quite say any brewery, but yeah, pretty much any brewery. Like I'll find my way to uh, <laughs> a brewery in town. Uh, you know, I I think we've got some good stuff going on with 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 the whole beer scene and, and with the bar scene. We've never had too much of a shortage of that, and uh, I'd say that's probably better than ever too. Do you think the Pagulas should have a stadium downtown built eventually? In your opinion, I mean, 
I, I kind of feel like it's a foregone conclusion. Maybe I'm wrong, but in your opinion, do you think it's something that should end up happening downtown? I also think it's a foregone conclusion, but the money's going to get interesting with all that. I mean, what you're going to have is, um, you know, them asking for money probably. And I am not in, in any way a supporter of, uh, public funds for, for stadiums anymore. Now that, you know, when I was 26, I might've been like, ah, whatever, it's going to help business, but it does right. help uh, the NFL's business. So, you know, if you want to have a stadium, build it. The, I saw the story was that the Green Bay Packers pulled in $255 million in national revenue. And that's national revenue. That's just for having a team. That's how much money you get. So, the, the, you know, if you, do, if you do the math, you buy the team for $1.4 billion and then do the $255 million in profit every year just nationally. That's not even local profit. Uh, you know, you, you, you can – there's a reason they're so expensive, and that's because if you have the money, you're going to make it all back. So – and then you're richer than before. <laughs> they, people buy these franchises because you're richer than you were before yeah. you bought them soon enough. Um, and they're certainly not going down in value. And, you know, all the stories about the league in trouble, it's, I mean, it's really nonsense. The Thursday night package just sold for so much money that, you know, it's, um, it's nuts. So yeah, I think it's a foregone conclusion. If it were up to me, there'd be no public money unless it were, infrastructure based or if it were in concert with a new convention center because if the city wants to kind of you know move into the uh the next phase of being a, a you know a legit city then a convention center is very much something that, that is needed i'm with jeremy white from wgr on the podcast jeremy i was driving up abbott road before we taped this and i saw at the big tree that they didn't have any statues up you know they had jim and then andre and chris berman and now the sign says you decide if jeremy white was making the call who should get that next statue? Who doesn't? Who doesn't have one? No. Who, yeah. Who who hasn't had one? Who should be next? They've already had Jim Kelly, Andre Reid, and Chris Berman. If you're in charge of the big tree right now, who's that next statue going to be? They're they're going to put someone I up. Think they, they have Ralph, right? They they have got a they got a lot of people. Ah, well, I don't know. I read the sign, and the sign, you know, it it was empty, and it said we've had Jim, Andre, and Berman, and then the sign says. You decide who's next. Hmm. Yeah, I thought they made a bunch more, and they were kind of positioned around the area. I thought, I thought, I remember there were being a Ralph Wilson statue, like one of those big wood carvings down by Canal Side. Oh, you know what? Recently, in the last I, couple years, dude. You know what? I fumbled this question, man. I should have prefaced this. I met at, in front of Big Tree. God, how could I not say Big Tree? What an idiot I am! I met right in front no, of no, Big you, Tree. You, you said that. Yeah, I, I just I wondered if like, you know they would just bring one of the ones that's already been there. Ah, okay. Because that, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, give Fred Jackson a statue if you want, I guess. I mean, he's certainly popular now. <laughs> All right, let's switch into a couple of Bill's questions here as we start to wind down. I want to put a Sean McDermott hat on you, okay? I'm going to assume, you know, you had the clout with Brandon Bean that Josh Allen was drafted over Josh Rosen. With at least you being involved in that discussion, you know, if not making the direct recommendation, regardless, if you're Sean McDermott, how would you handle Josh Allen this year? Pray that he's good. I mean, that's it. I would pray that he's good because if he's good, then they're both made. And if he's not, then they're both going to get fired. I think, right? Like, right. Yeah. They get, they didn't just draft a quarterback. They, they traded a bunch of players away to get a bunch of picks so they could go get one and refuse to trade next year's first, which is, you know, that's an indication. I think that they might think they're going to be bad. 
So if I were him, I would pray that he was good. Uh, if I were McDermott, what I would have done is I would have built my offense, and he didn't do that. I would have drafted a receiver, and they didn't do that. I would have drafted linemen, and they didn't do that. I would have hired an offensive coordinator that has had a track record with young quarterbacks, and they did not do that. So they didn't really do anything that I would have done when it comes to how would you handle Josh Allen. Uh, this team took apart 2015. The offense was pretty good, even with Tyrod Taylor. And rather than try and keep it together and make it better, um, they kind of systematically took it apart over time. You know, part of that's with Rex. Uh, but this team consistently, in my opinion, neglects offense. And right now they are in the midst of what might be their worst bit of neglecting weapons on offense uh, since I've really covered the team. I mean, it's, it's, or talked about the team. It's, it's pretty close. Their receiving core is really bad. Their offensive line, uh, you know, a bit shocking in some respects because they weren't expecting Wooden Incognito to both be gone. But um, if I were Sean McDermott, I would go back in time and I would get my young quarterback some weapons and I would have built, I would have spent every single dollar and thing this offseason building the offense. And they did the opposite. Do you think the offensive line, you know, or the lack of weapons, I should say proven guys on the line right now, is something that really goes under the radar because of all the Josh Allen talk and, you know, lately with the stuff going on with LaShawn McCoy, that garners all the headlines. But you're right. I mean, this offensive line and two of the three, you know, departures were kind of shocking, sudden fashion. But how concerned are you about this offensive line right now? Uh, but the line, I mean, reasonably concerned. The quarterback can get the ball out of the you know, if the run game is good enough, if the passing scheme is a quick strike scheme, then, you know, he'll be okay. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I, I think the offense is really in a, in a whole bunch of trouble. Now, training camp is important for a lot of players for a bunch of different reasons. You know, whether they're trying to win a job or whether they're trying to keep a job or even a roster spot. Do you have one or two guys that you think this training camp is particularly most important for? Um. Maybe Zay Jones. I mean, you know, they traded up for him too. Yeah. And he had a pretty rough first season. So maybe Zay Jones. Maybe, uh, oh boy, Shaq Lawson is a popular answer. But, I mean, I don't really think he's, I don't expect much out of him. We'll see. Other than that, you know, it's all about the quarterbacks. It's, it's about whether or not the OC is going to get the most out of Allen and, whether or not McCarron is even going to be in the mix. Like McCarron's another interesting guy to me because he didn't necessarily even have to be on the team. They, they signed him as bottom of the barrel backup money. They could have gotten anybody. It's another thing. Like what if I was Sean McCarron, what I do, I would have brought in a veteran that has a lot of playing experience. that could have been a starter. I might've kept Tyrod Taylor. Uh, if I could, once I was going to draft Josh Allen, like for me, it was never that Tyrod has to go. It's, that you have to try to be better. And drafting Allen means you're trying to be better. So I respect that. Um, but what they did at the quarterback position, I just, you know, that's, it's not exactly, uh, they're not exactly chock full of experience in that room. And McCarron signing for backup money with incentives is a pretty strong indication that, you know, he didn't have much of a market out there. One of, for me anyway, one of the most must listen things on the radio is Howard picks the bills. I don't know why. It's just something that I feel like it's really grown and become funny and popular. How fun is it doing with them? Because I've seen you guys get a lot of reaction when Howard picks the Bills. It is wonderful. 
<laughs> it's fun. Uh, he he really does hate it and love it. <laughs> so you know that's the best part is that it kind of drives him crazy, and it shouldn't under any circumstance. <laughs> it's popular, so, right? Everybody loves it, and everybody doesn't. Nobody cares what he really does. They just want to hear him do it. And he really does kind of hate it a little bit, which makes it, makes it actually makes it better. It, he so, gets halfway through, and yeah, you can sense that he's starting to get angry, probably because, you know, the team, he's not picking him to win as many games as he was hoping he was going to. He's being honest about it. But yeah, he had, right. I wouldn't say he's had full breakdowns on the show, but you could see it or hear it in his voice, you know, how he gets frustrated with it. I don't know. I just think it's one of the funnest things you guys do. Yeah. All right, real quick, before we wind down, I do have to touch on the Sabres a couple things. I wanted to get your thoughts on the Ryan O'Reilly trade. You know, good or bad remains to be seen, but undoubtedly it's a major roster shakeup. Is that a move that you would have made? I'm not in love with the move. I hope it works out, but they did get... It's it's uh it got some of what I want. They have two rostered players to show for it, maybe three rostered players to show for it because Tage Thompson might be there. So I I like that. I didn't want to deal Ryan O'Reilly away for just, you know, a, a first-round pick or a second-round pick. Jason Bottrell, like, he might learn quickly that trading for draft picks, you never actually see them. Think about the Pezik trade for Tim Murray. He trades Pezik for Kulikov and Rasmus Asplund, and Asplund is just now getting to uh, Rochester. So... Congratulations if you got a second round pick in 2021. You might never see that. And the Sabres rebuild has taken much longer than expected. And any talk about how it has to happen, has to take this year too, is just lowered expectations created by losing. It does not have to take long. They could have been in the playoffs two years ago. They could have been in the playoffs last year. They could be in the playoffs this year. So I, I, I'm tired of hearing their excuses. I know that the idea that you know, well, they're coming back from a tank. It's nonsense. They've made terrible moves. And last year, Bottrell had 10 new skaters, and they were awful. And there's reasons to wonder about the coach, and there's reasons to wonder about him as well. You know, it doesn't mean I think he's a complete loser. We'll see. But any idea that it has to take more time is something that I really bristle at. I don't, I don't like to hear that at all or even to pretend that at all. So if they finish with, you know, they finish in 13th place in the conference, you know, everyone, you know, not even should say everyone, but there'll be a lot of people that say like, well, you know, they got a lot of work to do. There's no reason they can't make a, be a playoff team. They just won a lottery. Like that's one other thing that helps you, you know, make the playoffs. Toronto won the lottery, went from worst to first. Well, they had more pieces in place. Yeah. Well, they made some smart moves too. So uh, time to make smart moves. And hopefully the Berglund, Sabotka, Thompson, that's a, the three players that are on your team for the O'Reilly deal. I'm good with that. I was good with getting rid of O'Reilly. I was fine with that. I, I wanted players in return. I got that. I'm not about to say that they definitely got a massive haul or won the deal because we don't know how these players will pan out. But, um, you know, I, I think the heat is on. I think there's reason to, to ask, why can't the Sabres do better? Calling you just like, you know, like a sports radio guy that feels short-sighted. You're also, you know, a big hockey fan, a fan who's been at plenty of Sabre games through the years. How disheartened has it been for you, you know, to see the atmosphere and the vibe at the arena just plummet in recent years? You know, there's been times where going to a game, I'm sure it's almost felt like punishment for you. Yeah, it's been awful. <laughs> As a season ticket holder, it's not even fun. The Sabres were... With the lowest scoring team in the league last year, 
were going on about five years. Where they last year, not only that, they were the lowest event team in the league. Nothing happened in their games. They hired Phil Housley. People got excited about how, like, oh, good, a great wide open style. They played the opener. They looked fun. After that, it was over. Like the high point of the season was the opener. So you know, all these teams that like to talk about playing responsible defense and stuff. That's all well and good. Like I'm, I'm here to see goals. So especially once you're in last place, I. I yeah, you, a coach is going to be out there to prove that they can win a game two to one. I don't care. In last place, lose six five. Like this is an entertainment business, and the Sabers have been really lacking in that department for the last two years at least. You know, this is a question I never even thought of this until just now. Because you you're in sports radio, most of the you know the people I have on my show they're they're writers, and you know they go to games, they cover games. They have to be completely unbiased. They can't be a fan. There's no fandom. Do you enjoy the fact that because of what you do, the way you do it, that you can go to a game, you can be a season ticket holder, and that you get to root openly for the Sabres as opposed to some other people who maybe they would, but, you know, they can't at all because, like I said, they're a writer and they have to be completely, you know, objective and unbiased in how they cover that game. For sure, yeah. That's one of the things I think is, you know, of a, of a bygone era. Like, the idea that if you root for a team, you can't be unbiased. Like, the reality is, some of the harshest critics of the Bills and Sabres are their biggest fans. That's very you true. Yeah. A writer might a writer might say it's not that bad. And a, a fan, you know, well, you love the team. It's like this idea that you're only going to say good things and you're going to love what they do. No way. <laughs> I mean, I'm sitting here as a fan of the Bills telling you, I, I really don't like at all what the Bills are doing on offense and what they did with Allen. But they did it. So, you know, I, I got to live with it. Um, I, I think that fans identify with people that, are like them. And you know, and by that, I mean, like, I'm just a fan. So this, uh, I, I always, here's a good example. I always, uh, had trouble with Jim Rome, Jim Rome. Be like, I don't, I'm not a fan of any team. I'd be like, well, then why am I wasting my time? with you? Like, yeah. how could you possibly know what any of this is like? You're just the guy that sits there and says, you don't like anybody. Great. Cool. Like you're way better. If you are a unapologetic Ohio state honk, and then people will get after you when they lose. And, They'll know. I mean, that's real. I mean, did Jim Rome grow up his entire sports life not liking anyone, or did he just abandon them all because he felt like he had to? Like either way, it's lame. So yeah, I mean, if if the conversation is supposed to be fun and be, you know, one that engages you as someone who likes the teams, I think people that are as invested as you or in similar ways as you makes a lot of sense. Going back a couple of years to the tank. And when I, again, I had Howard on the show and he called it probably the most stressful year of his career, just a very volatile season for friends and media people for that matter as well. Was this stressful for you or was it just, you know, part of the gig? It was stressful because I didn't want them to lose. I, I, I needed them to win it. I would never have been able to get over the jokes of Buffalo couldn't even lose right. Yeah. True. And I would also, I mean, that would have been really hard to take and also, for them to win a meaningless game for no reason at all with players that how many of them are on the team right now? Huh? Jorgensen's, Ristolainen, Larson. Is that it? Are we done yeah, with three? Not a lot. You know, I don't want to hear the nonsense about how important it was for them to learn how to win. Like, um, it was important because it was to me because it was right and the payoff was going to be worth it. And, you know, it was. So uh, it was great fun. It was, um, you know, I don't think the, I don't think that sports leagues should necessarily discourage tanking because it keeps fans involved. You know, lotteries are random. Meanwhile, tanking is 
your entire fan base starts paying attention to the juniors. I went to Erie. I went to St. Catharines without thinking. I never do that. Yeah, that's a fair point. One more Sabres question, and then we're going to end with the mini lightning round. Who on the Sabres roster right now impresses you more and that maybe you like this guy more than a lot of other people might? It's a good question. I would say I did a little bit of research on Evan Rodriguez. Some, because, you know, toss it up to the, uh, we get crazy emailers point, but, um, someone said that Evan Rod emailed me that Evan Rodriguez is only on the team because he's friends with Jack Eichel. Like, again, these are the emails I get, right? right? So I did some looking into Evan Rodriguez and the truth is that Evan Rodriguez scored five on five per 60 minutes at the same rate that Zach Parise did last year. Wow. So, I mean, Evan Rodriguez is good and maybe deserves more time and maybe deserves time on Jack Eichel's line. So he's a guy that I thought they signed because he was friends with Eichel. Then he turned out to be pretty good. So I'm high on Rodriguez. Other than him, uh, there aren't that many. Like, it's it's not um, – it's part of the reason the Sabres aren't good. They have not had that surprise player in a long time. And when they get that, maybe Middlestad, hopefully – but until they get that guy who shows up and is really good, uh, you know, you're going to be in trouble. You're, you're just going to be kind of battling it. Okay. We're going to end this with a little mini lightning round. Jeremy, what I do when I do this with every guest, I'm just going to ask you a handful of random questions. Not too much deep thought required. Whatever, you know, comes into your mind, just spit it out. Is that cool? Mm-hmm. All right. Favorite non-sports related activity to do? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I play an awful lot of FIFA on PlayStation, but that's kind of sports. So, <laughs> no, I, um, I don't think gaming. I I would accept gaming. Gaming, I'd go. With, I mean, I, I mean, I played a lot. I, I, you know, it's it's what it's part of what got me to really love and appreciate soccer so much. Is you know, there's just so much going on, and you know, it's just everything about the sport. I, it's it's introduced me to all the players, and but other than that, what's my? I mean, hang out with my dogs, boating, camping be outdoors, stuff like that. We do all that in the summer. Cool. Favorite city to visit? Oh, I got a million. I've been, I, I, I don't say this, like I've been so many places. My mom like last week said to me, the people ever say to you, boy, you've been a lot of places. Cause I have done a lot of traveling. Hmm. Uh, I, I love San Francisco. I, I love London. Um, I've only been to Chicago once, but I liked it a lot. Uh, boy, what else? It's just so much. Barcelona is beautiful. I've only been once for two days. I'd love to go back. Um, there's so many places. So it's a very, very tough answer for me. I would say Hawaii. My wife just yelled in the room, Hawaii. I've been to Alaska. <laughs> I've been to Alaska. Boy, Hawaii is really tough to beat. Puerto Rico. I loved Puerto Rico. I've been to Amsterdam. I've been to Paris. I'd love to go back to Paris. So I've been, I've done a lot of traveling. I did a lot of traveling before I got married and I hope to do some more since. So pretty much every time you get, you know, vacation time at work, you're off somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that tends to be how it works. I mean, Hmm. I, I, I had a lot of, uh, I've got to get to this place. I've got to get to this place. And currently I don't have one. Hmm. So, um, you know, maybe that, that changes, but. All right. Who's the most entertaining fellow Buffalo media member that you know? It could be someone at the station or a writer, reporter, anyone. Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, You know, going back to Brad, Brad and I used to joke we shared a brain. 
but Brad's not around as much anymore. I don't get to hear as much of his stuff. Um, you know, we've got great guys at the station. Everybody, everybody does. I, I listen to our station nonstop. I listen to um, the instigators. I listen, listen to One Bills Live when I'm driving up, you know, anywhere. Um, I listen to Show for the Bulldogs. So, I, you know, I, uh, I'm a faithful listener to my own station, which I probably would be if I didn't work there either. What is the best sports movie ever? My first answer is Creed, but that's not exactly the right answer. That's just the first movie that came into my head. <laughs> that, that works, man. Hey, it's a great, great movie. Are you looking forward to seeing the sequel? Obviously, you must be. Uh, not necessarily. No, not so much. No, not so much. It's going to try and go Rocky Four nostalgia. Okay, and Rocky Four is great, great on its own. I want to think of a different answer other than Creed, but it's pretty darn good. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. If you had never gotten involved in radio or sports in any type of capacity, what do you think you may have ended up doing with your life? I have no idea. <laughs> I really have no idea. I mean, not, I, not I, a banker. I really, when I, when, no, when I think about that, I stare at the wall and think I have no idea. Second last question here. Okay. If Twitter sent you a note and said, Hey, Jeremy, new policy, man. You're only allowed to follow one person on Twitter and one person only. Who would it be? Drew McGarry. That's the guy who used to work for Deadspin, right? Yes, he works for GQ. Okay, I know who and, that is. And still writes for Deadspin and works for Deadspin, too. Drew McGarry. How come? He is my favorite, he's my favorite person in the world to read I am a uh, full-on fanboy of Drew McGarry. Everything he writes, I think, I wish I wrote that. <laughs> okay, last question here. Three dinner guests from any era, dead or alive, bite to eat, maybe a beer or two. Who you got? Uh, Drew McGarry would be one. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm, I think a couple more here. Who else? I generally have good answers. I mean, I, I, dead or alive, any era. I, I, I've always loved Muhammad Ali. So he's, to me popular answer on this show uh, yep yeah i mean i've i've always really had a great respect for him and like wish i could have been alive during the era when he was in his prime oh sure Um, yeah i I, more even more than that i wish muhammad ali's prime were right now imagine what it would be like like this not to say conor mcgregor's a poser but like ali and the controversy that surrounded him, like, can you just imagine? Oh my how, God! Yeah, how, how polarizing he, he would be, yeah. and how how important he would be. Yeah, um, you know, we need someone like 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 him now. So I would say Ali. And uh, third answer, um, search my brain. I'm thinking of like the sports world, the, the political world. Like, you know, I uh, John Lovett. I'm going to John Lovett, who is a political commentator and is my favorite. Okay. Jeremy White, everybody. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at WGR Jeremy. He's only got around 80-something thousand followers, so help him out, which is about 80,000 more than me. <laughs> Thanks again for your time, Jeremy. I really enjoyed talking. This was a lot of fun. No problem. Thanks very much. All righty, that is a wrap for this episode. One more time, big thank you to Jeremy White from WGR 550 for doing the podcast. Definitely one of the more engaging sports media folks in the Buffalo area, or anywhere for that matter. 
Really enjoyed talking to him. He's a good conversation. I knew he would be, and he certainly did not disappoint. Coming up on Monday's show, I don't want to give anything away in case something falls through, but if things go the way they're supposed to, I'm going to have a big-time national NFL insider on Monday's podcast. Speaking of podcast, if you haven't done it already, I would really Really like you to go to iTunes and subscribe to this podcast. It's quick, it's easy, it's free. All you do is click the subscribe button and bam, new episodes automatically get sent to your phone, your laptop, your iPad, whatever it is that you use to play podcasts. You can keep them, play them, keep them, delete them, do whatever you want to do, but definitely subscribe if you can on iTunes. If you don't have iTunes, We're also there on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, pretty much anywhere podcasts are heard. You can also follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. Have yourself a nice, safe, enjoyable weekend. Get after the summer, boys and girls. Talk to you again on Monday. Peace out.